Great. Three, two, one. Oh, that was horrendous. <laughs> we got there. We'll get it. Hello and welcome to the much requested bonus Q&A for season two of The Vanishing Act. We hope that whether you're listening on your commute to work, folding laundry at home, or just let your podcatcher roll and forgot you'd subscribe to the show you thought was done, we can provide some insight into any lingering questions you may have about our second season. Full disclaimer at the top, we will be spoiling details of season two and most all of our answers. So if you don't <laughs> want that, then, uh, you know, why did you turn on a Q&A? Curiosity. Uh, my name is Lauren Grace Thompson, she, her, and I'm the producer, co-writer, co-director, editor, uh, social media person, and occasional actor on The Vanishing Act. Yes, and I'm Ian Gears, he, him, his. I'm the other co-producer, co-writer, and co-director. But don't worry, it's not just us. We're also joined by some of the cool kids from the show. Uh, first off, let's introduce Baldemar. How are you doing, sir? Hi, uh, good. Thank you all for having me on. It's so good to... I don't know, meet the, you know, not meet, but be with the rest of the cast. <laughs> You've and, never uh, seen these the people in your life. <laughs> ever, ever. Um, but yeah, no, I'm super excited to be here and thank you all for having me. What's your, what is your role on the show? What do you oh, do Oh yeah, you know, that would be good. <laughs> uh, I am the music composer and uh, I record a lot of the music for the show, um, but it's been pretty collaborative uh, in this most recent season with the musical numbers. Uh, but yeah, that's me. Wonderful. We're also joined by Sarah. Hey, everybody. Why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, my name's Sarah Price. I play Augie Eckhart, who's uh, essentially just me as a person. So a lot of acting <laughs> happening over here. <laughs> Love it. Tina? Hello. Hi, it's me, Tina. Um, she, her. I play Lilith <laughs> and some other people. It's Incredible been so long shit. since we've recorded. You're like, who am I? Yeah, what like, do I who, do? What am I doing here? What happened in season two? Wild ride. Uh, Daniel? Oh, hey there. Uh, my name is uh, <laughs> Daniel Milhouse. Uh, I go by uh, he, him. Uh, I play uh, Conrad uh, Webley Griffstein. Uh, so there you go. And also whatever character he's doing now. Happy to be <laughs> here. What character? Uh We'll never know what the true voice of Daniel Milhouse is. We just keep trying. We're also joined by Lawrence. How are you? Hey, how am I supposed to follow that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> my name is Lawrence. I uh, pronouns he, him, his, and I played Hirschfelder. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, we're just going to dive straight into the questions that we don't give you all another two-hour bonus episode like we did last time. So, Lauren, why don't you uh, oh, go ahead with the first question? I just want to say really quickly, if you want to support the show, this is my job as producer to be like, if you want to give us money, um, you can check There's out our website. There's a whole second half of this script that I just completely yeah, forgot I, about. I wrote I'm out so like a nice little script about, like, here's how you support us. This is all of our stuff. And Ian went... No, thank you. Um, <laughs> I would like to hear that script. Yeah, great. Um, so uh, I'll just do it, even though Ian ruined that it's scripted. God damn. I'll do my. I'll do my lines. <laughs> um, before we get started, just a quick reminder that the best way you can continue to support the show is to share us with people you think might enjoy the show. A majority of our new listeners have come from word of mouth recommendations, so we would like to send a huge thank you to everyone who has done so already. We are overwhelmed by your support. 
We also have a T Public store for merchandise. Uh, if you feel so inclined, you can always leave us a review, and we will send you a set of Vanishing Act stickers as a thank you. We also have a coffee account set up for donations that will go directly towards future projects. Another huge thank you to our supporters over there that have already donated. Um, we're working on a little bit of an exclusive bonus content for you right now that we're very excited about. And you can find all of that information on our website, which is vanishingbod.com. Thank you. And now that that's done... <laughs> I have so we... first question. How did you memorize all those lines? <laughs> I didn't. They're on a Google Doc. Oh. How did you memorize all of your lines for this show, Daniel? I didn't. I there read what was written down for me. <laughs> mostly. He oh. mostly Sometimes what with was varying written down. degrees of success. Sometimes, yeah. yes. Sometimes Whispering in um, your ear, we like have to do Pacino. a second take and go, hey, could you say the thing that's written on the page? We love, we love what you did, but like, could you say the words? The font is so small. <laughs> on an iPad. My eyes are so big. I need bigger yeah. font for these big eyes. Oh, of course. Um, so we put out the call for listener questions, and you all did not disappoint. And that, well, that remains to be seen, but we can still field them just to check. We've got some questions directed at specific members of the ensemble, some larger hypothetical questions that are open to everyone, and some great questions about production and what may be on the horizon. And surprisingly, no questions about any plot holes or inconsistencies between seasons. That's right. We instantly <laughs> deleted those. So, without further ado, now we can dive into questions. Ian, would you like to kick us off? Absolutely. Uh, I'll just start this general uh, question to everybody. We'll give it a tweet length answers here, folks. Tweet length answers. Oh, no. What's that mean? <laughs> 140 characters. 140? What was something, <laughs> what was something that, uh, that you got to do this season that excited you? Okay, so obviously one of my favorite moments <laughs> was the directing episode because yeah. I got to play with Ian. Um, well, play virtually with Ian, and it was one of the funniest experiences I got to do during the podcast. I am still laughing to this day. Ian, who joined our cast as Klaus this season. <laughs> Welcome, That Ian. was a joy for me as well. Well, I got to voice act with one of my favorite voice actors, so that was a pleasure. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think I remember the question. Um, this, it, you know, uh, uh, Lauren and, and Ian uh, came over to my apartment like a couple weekends to actually like hash out the music for this for this show and really like kind of you know crank in like three or four hours of just like writing and ideas and uh uh it was i don't know the, the collaborate the collaborative uh aspect of that really felt you know fun and engaging and new and like you know we were coming up with something kind of uh, uh as a unit which really felt nice sarah now you can talk um i was just gonna say that um it was very fun to be, I've been the mean best friend of Griffson for a long time, and it was fun to be the bitchy best friend of Griffson, uh, or Griffson in this episode, and it was it was fun to get to be protective of him as opposed to um, stomping on him um, over it's and over so and many over different again. ways of showing your love, I know. you know, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. all valid. Yeah. That's acting. Uh, Tina, what about you? Um, I, along those lines, really enjoyed, um, I mean, I guess my f answer that's about stuff I actually got to do is that I got to be like a dirtbag more. Lilith was always so competent and so on top of things. And like, I feel like I got to really explore her, um, her snarky side, but my real answer is not a thing I got to do, but a thing that I got to experience along with everyone else listening, which was Daniel and Sam falling in love. Yeah. It's my yeah. favorite thing. It was so lovely. Dumb. It was great. You told uh, me that you were screaming on the mean streets of New York. <laughs> sure was. <laughs> Absolutely. Daniel. Uh, one of my 
this is Daniel. I'm not uh, Canadian or you're not. Very you're not keeping up this dialect no. anymore. <laughs> I don't even know if it was a real dialect. Uh, one of my first memories of this season that I have uh, that's really stuck with me was I was chatting with Lauren and Ian, and they were like, "You're going to do. We have a musical number." And their excitement of just playing that musical number for me uh, for the first time, uh, that was a good thrill. Aww. Aww. We I were so that. excited about that. Yeah. We were just, we were like, we'll play it for anyone. Here, here we go. <laughs> Lauren, do you have an answer for this? Um, I think it was, like, so much of it was related to the musical numbers. I think um, it was really just, like, something we were, we were nervous about, but we were very excited about. And I think really was hearing, like, the final mix of those and hearing... Um, Hearing like specifically the montage coming together for the first time was incredible. I remember because that because all of that was composed to the existing acting performances, and I remember Ian and I just sitting down and listening to it, and just being like, like, like we did it, and that we were like emotionally touched and not just laughing. Um, so I'm very, mm-hmm. I was very excited to be able to straddle that line of of humor and satire and genuine emotion, and feeling feeling really proud that I, I feel like we did it. Yeah, I I would agree with that too. Um, I'll go to the next question. <laughs> um, what was the, this comes from, uh, Rad, who I believe asked us a question on the first one. Yes. So thank you for asking us. I think that one. was the, um, which character would die first in a horror film in, uh, in the yeah. last Q and a, which this is a very different question. Very different question. What was the hardest and most fun part about recording this season? Um, I'll briefly speak. This was the first time that, because the first season we obviously started recording in person and then shifted to recording remotely. This was entirely remote. Like we wrote this during the summer of 2020, recorded it during the summer of 2021. So we were still very much in lockdown mode. We recorded in like um, January of 2021, right? I feel like it was cold outside, right? It was vaguely Christmassy. But t- okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was still, so there we go. We were still very much in lockdown. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, so that that was presented its own set of challenges, but I think, uh as we've kind of continued to record, we kind of Lauren uh, and I kind of created a little bit better of a system that uh, definitely helped and made things go by a little quicker. Um, And we were able to record, I think the entire five episodes of the Christmas special in the span of like three weeks, maybe or something like that. It was very fast. Yeah. Um, So that was really awesome. And, but also presented its, uh, a lot of stamina challenges in terms of keeping my attention on zoom, which is not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Um, anybody else? What was a, a challenge you had recording? Um, not laughing at literally everything that Lydia did as Gigi. That was very, <laughs> that's, a, that's a similar question that we also got asked that we can get into now. Are there any moments that you still remember that, that were, made you break that another actor in a session did? Um, um, yeah. Lydia's combination of like, um, this adorable child voice that she had and the <laughs> exhaustion at these idiots she had to work with was like, that combo mm-hmm. will always make me giggle. It was, Lydia was She's so like a kid, but she has big Joe Pesci energy, yeah. which I, I think is really great. <laughs> yeah, she was incredible. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I have a hard time keeping it together anytime Chris Visaraga does mm. anything in any accent. Mm. <laughs> oh my god! And we made him do like three so different many. ones throughout this. And he nailed them all. Oh, he's so good. It was, yeah, I always had trouble getting keeping it together during takes where we had, I think we had scenes where that had Sam, that had Viz and that had Rob who were doing three different accents and one actor switching between accents for like asides. 
And I just like watching the concentration on those faces of just like trying not to slip into other accents is just insanely funny to me. And I'm so glad we made them do that. <laughs> just mm-hmm. sometimes you can you can make your friends do amazing and ridiculous things. Mm-hmm. And and it's a joy. Uh, what always makes me break is not getting a joke until someone else says it. And I'm like, oh, that's the joke. Like as we record. <laughs> I always love those moments. Infinity best. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember in the first in the first reading, you did the infinite jest joke, and you said infinity best. I thought that was the word. Nope. Let's, let's be honest. I thought it was the word. Watching everyone else die inside as they. <laughs> yeah, they all laughed, and I felt. Why are they laughing? I I don't get it. I know it's one of your favorite books. I can't believe you didn't get that. Um, uh, Lauren, which question do you want to go with next? Uh, let's just go straight down the line. Let's talk. Great. Let's talk about writing a little bit really quick. Ooh, sweet. So um, when did the concept for season two and its plot lines first pop into your head? Has anything changed from those initial ideas to now? Um, this is related to another question we had that's a, that um, we ended season one on a seemingly pretty resolved note. And then how was it coming back to that world? Um, Ian, what do you want to take this one? Yep. Uh, sure. Yeah. So season one initially started as a as a closed loop. It was very much its own thing, and it ended with everybody in a pretty dire situation back in Nazi Germany, uh, and with the implication that they were all going to have to kind of off screen and off air have to atone for their behavior. Um, and really, it was. Uh, I think Lauren, you you spoke about this briefly on the last one, but it was like when we got to. Just kind of where we, we started writing this in 2018 when we were both very angry with a lot of the state of the world and with a lot of the state of uh, frustrations with our own feelings of, or, you know, I could speak for myself, frustrations with my own feelings of, of activism and not knowing if I was doing enough and not knowing if, if the world was really changing in a way that, that we wanted it to. Um, and by the time we hit 2020 and we were recording, we had a little bit more, I don't know if hope is the right word, but we had a little bit more of an optimistic outlook. Maybe it was because we got to work with these fun idiots all the time, but we just kind of realized we didn't want these, like if, if we could make these people change, like if we could show positive growth for these characters, then like that was just a really exciting challenge for us. So the idea to do a season two happened pretty, uh, pretty quickly. Like while we were still recording season one, and uh, like before the halfway it, point, even, I think we were kind of gestating it. There were a couple plot lines that had come up. Like we, we knew we'll, you know, we got a question about the Conrad Rudyard romance early on. Um, but that was one of the first things that we from had. Tina. <laughs> yeah, it was, from, it was secretly from me. Yeah. But that, that plot line came along pretty, pretty quickly and pretty organically and kind of came together very easily. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the, the major overarching putting Augie back in Germany and having Lilith have to stay in one place and figure out how to live there and uh, was just like a really interesting scenario that we wanted to explore. And one of the main reasons that we we wanted to bring Hirschfelder into the main group this season was just because I thought that that scenario was just kind of like, if we don't explore what it, a, a like Jew in hiding who's been teaching at a Nazi school, if we don't like give that a good amount of airtime, like what are we doing? Mm-hmm. It was just like a cool uh, plot line that, that really interested me. Um, yeah. So yeah, a lot of that came together pretty quickly. And then we just had to figure out, you know, what the story was going to be after we had all the individual arcs that we mm-hmm. knew we wanted the characters to follow. Yeah. 
I think it, yeah, I think it really came down to like, it originally was a very, we were way less generous to these characters and we were much more like, fuck them and they deserve what they get. I think initially. And then I think it, it came, to me, it just came down to like, my responsibility as a creator of, of privilege is not necessarily to like say fuck you to these people and just like absolve myself um, and put myself above them, but about um, trying to find a way to show the way forward to these characters that may seem irredeemable, um, but kind of examining at what point is it too late and what does that redemption look like? And, you know, is it ever too late to be a part of a movement for good, even in a small way? Um, mm -hmm. And what that would look like for these people. Um, and I was just like much more morally okay with <laughs> examining that. I, I just wasn't okay with leaving it where it was. And that's really where everything else came out of. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Now we got a music question. Yes, because it's uh, also a musical. Yeah. <laughs> Baltimore, question for you. What are the musical influences of this season? Did you take any inspiration from anything in regards to the music? And if so, to what extent? So I, and I think this kind of actually kind of transcends the whole show uh, uh, beyond this season. Um, you know, I'm trying, a lot of this has been uh, tried to kept, uh, keep it in the style of the time for the most part. Uh, it's always been like a kind of a driving force behind this. Um, I uh, and, and, and Lauren and Ian were so gracious to set this in 19... Uh, the 1930s where jazz was really popular and very difficult to write for. Um, and so there was a big learning curve there, but it was really like, what kind of music from that time can I take to fit into certain settings? And then, you know, uh, uh, Lauren and Ian know this, but I would like, you know, throw some spaghetti at the wall, like take a stab at something. And then we'd have a big email conversation back and forth. How about we try this, a little bit of this, you know, listen to this recording here that we found and, um, you know, uh, uh, my initial instincts would be from the scene that they would give me and the style of the time and like kind of how I felt that needed. And then from there, we would really like kind of nitpick it to become what all three of us were happy with. So mm -hmm. um, it's been it's been pretty collaborative, I think. And then in this yeah. season, we were like, what if it was a Backstreet Boys number? <laughs> and we just said, fuck the that. time period. Let's do something else. <laughs> Well, that was interesting, right? Because, like, the first season was written primarily... Like, I don't normally write to music. I don't know about you, Lauren, but, like, mm -hmm. I the first season was a lot of, like, Glenn Miller, Mills Brothers, Django Reinhardt, like, stuff like that listening to while I was writing. And then this season, I think because it's a Christmas special, I just had, like, the, the soundtrack to Home Alone just, like, on repeat mm -hmm. while I was writing. Uh, so that really came through, like, with just, like, that was, like, a tone that I was, like, we want this, like... It's holiday, but it's mischief. And yeah, and I, was, and I always go it. like Danny Elfman. Yeah. Just, I think that yeah. was the other like big one that we threw at you. It was like very much Danny Elfman, the, um, specifically the, the number in the first episode. I think we said we wanted to be somewhere between like the opening number of Music Man and like a Danny Elfman song. And, and yeah, Nightmare <laughs> Before Christmas. I think that comes out in, when you listen to it. I think you can definitely hear that in there. And then even in the incidental music, you know what I mean? Y'all mm -hmm. sent me like just the opening to the Grinch and I really took that and ran for mm -hmm. the stuff that plays under a bunch of things during mm -hmm. season two. And it, I just, you know, you listen to something a bunch and then you try to make it without looking at the music and whatever comes out is going to have that same vibe. Mm -hmm. um, and that's right. And baby, <laughs> Hey, uh, there were so many times that you took like, like you brought so much more music than we even asked you to create. 
um there's so many things like we had like specific musical moments and then we'd get an email at like two in the morning where you did like the major theme version of of the theme that we have at the end of the final one or we have you know you expanded out like one of the themes in Christmas Kiss in this really beautiful way in the montage and in the finale that we then kept bringing back as like a, a really nice shorthand for, for Conrad and Rudyard um, that I really think like helped elevate a lot of the material in a really interesting way. Yeah. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm running and trying to do a bunch of this, this music stuff kind of like, you know, when I'm not sitting at my computer and like working on it. So if I'm just like on a train or something and I hear a song and I'm like, this is like a weird, like, 1980s like punk pop song but it sounds kind of Christmassy in the chord progressions so I'll just yeah. like remember that and then find it later and then change the instruments or something you know what I mean it's been kind mm -hmm. of a weird uh a lot of throwing stuff at the wall and then kind of narrowing down to what we found um but I really enjoyed it and I think it really made my piano skills have to get better <laughs> so yeah <laughs> You and me both, brother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then a related um, question. Um, it says, um, in case I, if I recall correctly, you recorded the season remotely. How did that work with making the musical numbers? Did you, did you record those in person or were those also recorded remotely? I, I actually oh. wanted to, to point this out. When I said Lauren and Ian came over to my place to work on this stuff, this was like the summer of vaccine. <laughs> um, so so yeah. even though all the recording <laughs> happened uh, during kind of the heat of the pandemic, by the time we got to the music stage in this, it was safer for pe people to start getting around each other and stuff. And so uh, yeah. I just wanted to clear the air there. We were being safe with our music stuff as yeah. well. It's also really Thank interesting because we have three major kind of musical moments in the <laughs> season and all of them were recorded with completely different approaches, um, which I think is really interesting. Like the, the Christmas Kiss, I think the, the first song that we have, um, Ian and I recorded like a demo to a metronome basically. And then uh, Eric, who plays Otto, Daniel and Sam uh, basically just had a metronome in their ear individually and just did their individual parts. And then Eric, uh, or Baltimore, recorded uh around those um like he just had he had it with a metronome and just composed around the voice the vocal performances yeah yeah Baltimore, uh, go. Uh, uh can i i actually have a question for daniel what was it like to have recorded that and then hear it with the rest of it because you and i didn't really talk about this at all you know what i mean yeah uh i will say i I mean, it sounded fantastic, but I instantly went in my head about how am I going to do this because I have no rhythm. And when <laughs> I remember Ian and Lauren saying, they just used what you did. Like, that's what Baltimore did was he took what you did. And I was like, oh, that, that can't be usable. <laughs> uh, so I remember I also had to go to my partner and I had her like say all the rhythm for me. And I had to say them. And there were times where I tried to do like a little song riff and she'd be like, that is none of these notes. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I had a blast. It brought us closer together as yeah. a couple. Yeah. She really, she really pulled you through, the, through across the finish line of that one. Yeah. But I was shocked that you could make it just from us randomly just kind of speaking to a metronome. I was yeah. like, whoa. Well, what was cool was when we, we recorded the reading of it, when we first, you know, we were doing the readings and you and Sam really fell, and Eric Eilerson, who plays Otto, really fell into the rhythm of speaking the Christmas Kiss lyrics as if it was kind of like a patter song. So, yeah, I mean, we, from there, it was pretty easy to tell like, okay, cool, this is going to work. Mm -hmm. um, and then like Lauren was saying, during the montage, the other really big musical moment, um, we had already recorded uh, you and Sam's 
scenes and then Lauren had already cut it together. So we already knew the rhythm that it was going to be and how long we were going to need each musical section to be. And that was the one that Baltimore you were referring to where like all three of us kind of sat around your piano and you were just like trying different stuff and like, okay, does this feel like the the mood? Does this feel like the rhythm? We want something a little bit funkier here. We want something that's going to be really, you know, swell to this big romantic theme. Can we bring back the Christmas kiss theme here? Um, you know, before they're about to kiss. So that was, that was really fucking hard and awesome and took like multiple hours, but you crushed it. Yeah. And then Christmas Kiss was... I'll Be Home was for Christmas. Was the, I'll Be Home for Christmas, excuse was me. Basically yeah, was basically you recorded it, you because you sang it, Ian. Congratulations. Um, it's basically oh, to a you. karaoke track that we created with, with Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. I had a weekend off, so I sat with my own keyboard here and kind of like created the, the really shitty rough sketch of that song and n- kind of knew from when I could find out that my sister's keyboard could do uh, beats that I was like, oh, cool, yeah, it's going to be a Backstreet Boys Christmas song. That beat drop still makes me laugh every time I hear it. We weren't even, like, sold on that kit. We just were like, well, let's no. just set this for now, and then we'll come back to it. We'll pick something that makes more sense. And then we never did, so... <laughs> well, once you started recording on your instruments and recording it well, it was like, oh, cool, this will work <laughs> so much better than the shitty demo that I had recorded. Uh, <laughs> so, like, you had been, you added bass to it. You added acoustic guitar to it. There were these cool violin sections with the pizzicato that you had added. Um, so, really, it was like kind of like here's a two-dimensional, like, black and white pencil drawing of it, and then you turned it into this gorgeous landscape painting. All right, so next question. This is for everyone. Um, it says, typical question I know, but I'm genuinely curious. Is there a scene where that any of you heard and were just like, yeah, no, actually this fucks. Which I think means rocks. That like you heard it and you were like, I'm proud of this. I don't know what the, I'm old. So I'm assuming that's good. <laughs> is this the new slaps? I think oh, so. God. I think Because I think, I think it is just like, oh man, I finally heard this scene. And like, actually the slaps. Um, can be musical, can be otherwise. What was the word? Uh, this fucks. fucks. Oh, that was it. Oh, okay. Capital F-U-C-K-S. It's like, unless, I don't know when words go out of style. Unless it's like a Republican senator says it like in like an interview. I'm like, okay, cool. Can we say this word still? Are we not still saying slaps? I don't know. Don't but know. this fucks. Um, I guess I open this up to everybody else. My yeah. favorite thing was like hearing that the one you talked about, Lawrence, the scene between you and I where uh, you're directing me. When we like did the reading of that the first time, I was just like, I'm so happy that this works because this was like my favorite piece of writing I got to do. <laughs> uh, anybody else? Honestly, that one that that scene really struck out, stuck out to me too. Maybe because it was <laughs> triggering, um, but uh, <laughs> maybe that was why I was like, "Oh, I've been yeah. Klaus. Oh, I've been Klaus. Oh no, um, we all have been Klaus." Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. That's why um, we're all here. Honestly, uh, we're <laughs> yeah, just still true. trying to heal from that pain. And um, yeah, no, that's one of my favorite um, performances. Also, Ian and Lawrence, the two of you together, <laughs> falling into those roles. Uh, whew, it was really good. Um, this is a little bit, I apply this to the, <laughs> to the entire series. It's just every time Ireland talks, particularly as Otto, mm. I cannot <laughs> yeah. stop laughing. Mm-hmm. Also terrified, intrigued. I'm feeling a lot of things. So I literally yeah. know that. <laughs> so when I I don't read the scripts really before the show comes out, um, 
And there's like, it's a funny show. I really like a lot of it. And I'm like, it's like kind of star studded right now with the people that I'm surrounded by. I have like, I'm kind of hardcore fangirling for Sarah and Tina, but that's just my own thing. But, but okay. So when, when Hunter got his wings, I couldn't, I was done. That was it for me. He deserved another moment. Another moment that I wrote and was like, I don't know if the, how we're going to do this. <laughs> that was one of the first things that we came up with for the season, though. Like, that was always yeah. in the season. It was like Hunter turns into an angel and flies yeah, away. Yeah, like, of like, course he gets his wings. Of course. Yeah, th- it's the It's a Wonderful Life reference. Yeah. There are so many references to Christmas movies throughout this whole season that it was like that was our one for a movie that I've only seen once, yeah. unfortunately. Um, anyone else? Anyone else have anything they were excited by? This is my basic bitch answer. I think that montage is absolutely slaps. I think the music is so good, Eric. You you like you really created um, an amazing journey um, in a very short period of time. You basically made three episodes worth of content happen in eight minutes. Um, for and so I for really the, love it. Uh, for the for the people who didn't catch on, maybe uh, that is the there's a rising progression in there that is emulated from uh, a win. Uh, uh, Conrad originally tells a story about Phoebe. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, uh, I know that's silly and cheesy, but we do it and it's cute. Okay? We love symmetry. <laughs> it's awesome. I also want to give a major shout out to the scene that Tina had to do with herself oh, because yeah. that was so much fun that's to get right. to record. Where you were playing uh, Lilith and Rhett I talking about to that. yourself. <laughs> Yeah, also yeah. hearing that final vanishing was really, really cool. Like, um, yeah. Daniel Eddie Williams, the, the designer who designed that last episode, who designed most of our season one, um, he wanted the sound of that vanishing to sound different than every other one because this is the time that it actually works. Um, that it's like, that it works Intended. as it's designed yeah. to. Um, that it's like, they're do- like someone is finally using it for the, in the right way for the right reasons. And so it sounds completely different he built something completely new from scratch and i I really love the way that it it just very subtly sounds more satisfying uh ian do you want to take the next question yeah next question this is for the actors um how close do you feel to these characters and if you have to say something to your character advice praise criticism anything what would it be uh and then this is a tangential question related to that how do you feel that your characters aren't just assholes anymore (laughs) For the record, Anton was never an asshole. Never. I just want to make sure everyone knew that. True, yeah. That's never. true. He was a That's sassy true. bitch, but he wasn't an asshole. Yeah, only when <laughs> never he was an asshole. I just had a lot of Anton had a lot of things. He that was young. To he had a lot to sort yeah. out. <laughs> would you give Anton any? What would you say to Anton right now if you could? Loosen up. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Take a day off. <laughs> Do yeah. It. Take every other day off. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, yeah. he's deserved it. If he took every day off, that school wouldn't run. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> it's Montessori. They can figure it sure. out. They can figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Nazi-sori. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Uh, I remember very early on when we were doing readings of rough, rough, rough drafts from even season one when Ian and Lauren told me, we just kind of throw some stuff in there that we think might happen to you as a person, and we just made it Conrad. Uh, so I do relate to Conrad in many ways, um, but I wouldn't have advice to give Conrad. I think Conrad would have advice to give me, which is just kind of to, you know, like yourself and, you know, just trust who you are and be yourself. I, I always struggle with that. So that's what Conrad would say to me. That's, not, that's weirdly oh. nice. 
Oh, on a separate note, we have uh, not a question, but a request from a listener that is wondering if we, Daniel Milhouse could say, you deserve to be happy, old sport, for one of our listeners. You deserve to be happy, old sport. Said Conrad Aww. is their favorite character, and Daniel, you do such a good job. That's from John. Oh, thank you, John. Hang in there, old sport. Yeah. Aww, <laughs> He's going to give so us alts sad. right now. Voicemails. Yeah, I'll give you alts. <laughs> Say what's yeah. on the gonna, page, Daniel. Hang in there, this. old sport. <laughs> and that's with a cat hanging from a from nice. a cliff. Hang in there. There it is. Uh, Sarah or Tina? Oh, gosh. I love Augie so much. Um, uh, I'm not supposed to, but I do. And um, I, I think, like, I'm, I mean, the way that you guys crafted that arc of his especially the like when he's seated in the audience that that was a very like toy story three we're holding hands vibe to me (laughs) that was like him finally accepting his fate and that like it's more important that this happens one and two that everyone he cares about like survives um so that was like that that little monologue, the like little internal monologue, which also then of course was a bit about it being an internal monologue. Go to hell, all of you. Um, uh, was really beautiful for me. So I, I just I think my only advice to Augie was like get there faster. Maybe <laughs> maybe we don't take you know sixteen episodes to get to what matters. You know, but the the ride was fun. It was a journey. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm forgetting who said this, but like we had a, a uh, I don't know if it's a review or a comment or someone. It was not on this, but they had talked about that particular scene where you have your internal monologue, and they were saying like, "Does this mean Augie has not thought before this moment?" <laughs> and I kind of love that reading as well. He's, but, um, yeah, he's skulked and he's pouted and he's thought but, though. But he's been very external. Oh yeah, he's very external. He acts. He's a man of, yeah. if not action, complaining. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tina. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I love Lilith. I feel very close to her in that we are similar in a lot of ways. Um, I don't do science well, but I do other things with the vivacity that she does science. So, um, yeah, I feel like, I mean, I my advice to her would be like girl keep doing what you're doing like you're She's doing crushing. great maybe no like notes. listen to other people sometimes <laughs> you know if they're right um and like smoke a go. blunt occasionally or something <laughs> you know she just like i feel like she deserves a little bit of like brain off to, it, almost opposite to like augie in that way of like maybe stop thinking for like two seconds yeah that would be good impossible yeah. impossible um, yeah, but I, I'm a big fan of hers. And, you know, a uh, big fan of, of Rhett, too, as an extension yeah. of her. <laughs> Rhett. We're not done with Rhett. No. I love Rhett. Better not <laughs> be. Uh, Lauren. Yeah, these this are some rapid-fire narrator questions. Rapid-fire narrator questions. Mm-hmm. Did the third-person multiple narrator time travel along with everyone at the end of season one or were they just sort of waiting around in the narrator space for the gang to reappear again? What were they doing for those awesome. uh, seven years? I think <laughs> that they wish that they got the time off, but did get transported with them. I think whatever the most painful option is, is the one that's correct. The narrator yeah. has lost so much time to these people. Yeah. yeah. It's just never, 
ever gonna get a break (laughs) ever except maybe now maybe now who knows uh the next question is the first person limited narrator still around or did they find another gig this is a narrator two Mm -hmm. from the first season which was lilith's own personal narrator (laughs) um no comment for right now no comment comment. we may answer that question in the future so we're reserving the right to not answer that question uh oh this one this one is cheeky yeah Uh, i know this one's a trick question this one's cheeky uh, what kind of species of duck is the narrator, Lauren? Oh, uh, many yeah. people think that the narrator is Devora. Um, Drama, but this is from Nicole, and I will say no comment. But yeah. Devora, the duck, is a mallard, and the narrator, yeah. if she was a duck, would also be a mallard. Oh, so, there you go. If that helps you, so take that for what you will. Take that for what uh, you will. Couple, now we'll go to some uh, character-specific questions, Augie. If Augie was the one writing the Christmas play, what would have uh, what would it have been called? Oh no! Um, <laughs> and uh, what would the elevator pitch for that show have been? Yeah. I think it would be like "Wake Up Idiots: Colon." There would be like a lot of subtitles, <laughs> a lot of colons, a lot of, colons, a lot of um, uh, you know, an existential investigation of. It wouldn't be very fun. Uh, there would be Terrible. way less music or if there were music which i'm sure baltimore would do beautifully it would be very dystopian um it would be Some philip glass type shit yeah 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 yeah. it would be um yeah it would be it would be brutal it would be there brutal. would be a bergamask for sure yes 100 percent that yeah yeah yes um yes. next question lauren you want to ask this one uh yeah what is augie's most and least favorite thing about being a teacher now um, I think both answers is Gigi. Aww. I think his Aww. most favorite thing is Gigi and his least favorite thing is Gigi. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, you think that they're they're definitely, Augie's a surrogate father to Gigi? Yeah, 100%. Kind of I also think like Augie shows movies sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, or mm-hmm. Augie will be like, I have... I have work to do and sit in the back and make Gigi run class, which I think mm-hmm. when he's hungover. Oh, how you know. often do you think Gigi is teaching this class? Oh, 97%. <laughs> I think, yeah. That's honestly better odds than I thought. Yeah. I you. think sometimes yeah. Augie gets fired up, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. will like come in ranting like halfway through a class. Yeah. And that's what he would call teaching, I think. Um uh- because someone just like cut him off and he's like, you know what's wrong with the future? You know, and just like scream at all of these children. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then after, and then he would, you know, like Gigi would like set him down and make him drink a little something. And then he would fall asleep under the desk and then she would be like, okay, back to Brecht, you know. Yeah. Go on an hour long rant about how prosceniums are overrated. Yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At like the parent teacher night, you know, just, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sorry, yeah. parent teacher night? Yeah, like at These the are parent orphans. teacher night. Oh, right. <laughs> I, I assume they all get parents after. Are you yeah. saying no when one Hunter will adopt these children? This gang, every, every member of the gang gets like 20 kids assigned to them. Good and they're like, these Lord. are your kids now. Oh, no. Woof. Nightmare shit. All right. Truly nightmare shit. Yikes. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Rudyard and Griffson adopt them all. Oh, I like that story. <laughs> yeah. That's a terrible idea, but very sweet. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Talk about two people like, who are not ready to be parents. Possibly We have ever. to have tryouts to find our perfect kids. So we're going to whittle it down. <laughs> oh my oh God, no. they would. 
Uh, Lauren, why don't you take the next one? Okay, this one tickles me. Uh, if the main characters were ducks, what kind of ducks would they be? Oh, uh, or rather, their what are their duck sonas? Um, which is a phrase that I am horrified at. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's amazing. Um, um, so I think you can describe the vibe of the duck, the type of the duck. Um, maybe what it looks like. Yeah. I think um, I'm a. Um, I think Augie is a Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> um, that's correct but instead of like yeah, yeah, yeah. diving into piles of money it's just like diving into piles of self-righteousness great Boom. love that love that love that great anybody Anyone else have any duck sonas mm-hmm. yeah got, yeah it was um, not i didn't do enough research in preparation for this question you got little uh mallards you got muscovies you got little white ducks um oh, well, keep naming ducks. ducks right those are types of ducks waterfowl yeah, you okay. could be the duck. I think Lilith would be that duck that ran the New York Marathon in those cute little shoes. You're right. You're right. You're right. Oh, you're right. Wow. You're right. Yeah, Just yeah, like yeah. overachiever duck. Like I yeah, I was thinking like, vibe. what's the most aggressive duck? I mean, you've seen their penises. The They're all think. aggressive. True. I mean, that's the double oh, meaning yeah. of the, the first episode being called the corkscrew. Oh it's, my um, god! It's the first oh. episode of the show, and it's a duck's penis. I had wow, no idea. Wow, I hate idea. this. Yeah, right? Didn't that ruin your day? Sure did. Damn. I just googled ducks, no. and I'm totally believing that Hirschfelder is a ring neck duck. I Love just that. saw a picture, and I am vibing with this duck. Oh, <laughs> I love that. You have to send me that picture later. I will send you this. I'm trying. To, I'm, <laughs> I'm. I'm horrified yet laughing. <laughs> this duck. That's perfect. Daniel, That's the whole brand. About your duck. Uh, I feel Conrad views himself as the pilot duck from DuckTales. <laughs> What's his name? I don't know, but I, I agree. Do you know who I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about? But I think I in actuality, he's like the Pink Panther, more of a Bugs Bunny. So, you know, oh. that's the but duck. But like one that's Conrad. not self-aware. <laughs> like yeah. a not self-aware Donald Duck. Ooh, you're like, Lawrence, you're like, that picture's so correct. Sorry, Lawrence wow. just sent us a picture of that duck, and it's majestic. So you're like you're like Babe, like the pig, where it's like he's a pig, but he thinks he's a sheepdog. Exactly. Like you're, you're, <laughs> or all you're, three, uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. He's just all three oh, yeah. of them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, great. And then uh, have you considered making an Anglo-Duck dictionary? This comes from Rochelle. Uh, no, but I will say for this season, we didn't do this for the first season, but for this season, we learned that, uh, we wrote all of Devorah's lines as actual lines Mm -hmm. in the script. So Devorah is responding to stuff in the scenes. And then, um, the actor who plays Devorah had to interpret that. Oh, okay, cool. So Lauren (laughs) had to, uh, essentially channel all of that subtext into a quack. Yeah. So that um, was very Excuse me, satisfying. an Audioverse nominated quack. There so it is. is true. Oh, yeah. In 2021. Is. There it Can is. Can Conrad be Darkwing Duck? You already That's said you're fucking no, duck. Rhett is Daniel. Darkwing Duck. Oh, yeah, Rhett is yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. Darkwing on. Duck. Rhett is 100% Darkwing yes. Duck. Stop yes. Googling right. ducks and okay. be present. <laughs> I'm not Googling. These are just in the dome, baby. Um, All right. Next question for Lilith. Lilith became so much more of a smartass this season. For the actor playing her, how did you tap into that? Oh, with ease. Yeah, that's just me, baby. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the note... Yeah, 
Yeah, the note was always just like, hey, Tina, could you like be a little more of an asshole? And was always met with a smile and a nod and just, you know, I let yeah. myself be I, myself. I will say for, for you and for Lawrence, uh, for, for Hirschfelder, we did a lot more like um, rewriting lines on the fly, like when we were in the middle of recording scenes. Mm-hmm. So there would be some stuff where we would just hear the way that you all were interacting together. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it feels like Lilith needs to respond with a harsher line than what's on the page. Yeah. So <laughs> like we would throw stuff at you, you would improv. The same goes for Lawrence. Like we would just mm-hmm. kind of like throw a lot of stuff at both of you and you both took it like troopers. And yeah. I think it made your characters. Yeah. It kind of evolved into that like, the kid in the back of the classroom throwing paper balls at the front, which was the image that I kept getting for Lilith. Yeah, Lilith yeah. was dealing um, with some major senioritis. Uh, yeah, yeah, 100%. She has major gifted kids like syndrome where she's just like, wait, but I have to try? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think in the first season, it, it would have been easy for us to have Lilith kind of because she presents as more together than the other two, than then Augie and Conrad. Does she? For her to be like the more morally together one. But I think it was like the big breakthrough we had is like, no, she's just as bad. And like when it comes down to it, she's the last holdout from doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, Especially because, like, we see her accomplish what she wanted to accomplish in season one, which is, like, she full matter transmutated these jerks, and so she's done the thing, and she's like, I'm hot shit now, and I can't believe that this is still a conversation that we're having to have. And then, yeah, it's like, her her journey is very much of, like, oh, betterment's an ongoing thing? That sucks. I don't want to do that. But I achieved. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I did my thing. thing. I got my super objective. I'm done. I transcended. Yeah. This is, uh, next question. If Lilith could freely time travel forwards or backwards, where and when is the first place and time that she would go? Would she return to her original timeline? This question comes from Nicole. I mean, I feel like we set up, this is so hard for me to answer not as Tina, just because Tina has so many answers, but I we set up at the end that like, all right, I'm going to go like back and, you know, check in with my family but I don't think that's a long-term destination for her. I feel like she's got to hit. Yeah. 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 Um, That would be first, but then I feel like she's going to hit all the like hot spots in history just to, you know, see, I feel like she would go maybe see what's in the library of Alexandria, maybe not save it, but she she might not be there yet, but like, you know, she might like want to see what's up there. She'd go back, look at it and then be like, I'm the only fucking one that knows now. Yeah. I, I do feel that for her. Yeah. Yeah. Plot twist, she burned it down. Oh, shit. (laughs) Right this season. I was going to say, do you think, Tina, do you think that Lilith would have, like, a strict no intervening policy? Or do you think she'd be like, fuck that, I'm going to, like, fuck around and find out? Oh, that's a good question. I thought I knew the answer, and then you said the second thing, and now I don't know the answer. (laughs) So is Lilith an eternal? She would have the rule. Yeah, is she an eternal? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, She would probably have the rule and then not follow it. Uh, and then the last question uh, for this section, uh, what does Lilith's syllabus look like? Is there any required reading for any of the classes that you teach? No, not at all. I feel like she's <laughs> like, if you're not as smart as me, you got to figure it out. So she's going to, yeah. I don't think she's going to help oh. anybody do well. <laughs> you think it's a strictly lecture course? They're just lectures. Yeah. yeah, she likes to talk about stuff. You know, I feel like, you know, it would be all Lilith's take on things. That's the class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, there's a part of me that feels like she would miss Frizzle out and maybe be like, okay, guys, come into the vanishing box. Yeah, don't yeah, tell Anton or anybody else that we're doing this. Mm-hmm. But 
I need to show you guys what the Library of Alexandria looked like before I, I got through with it. Yeah. <laughs> but... I don't hate this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Lauren, you want to ask the next one? Yeah. Um, we've got a Hirschfelder question. Hell yeah. I would Boom. love to go to. Um, as the new principal of a school, how does Hirschfelder feel about Spirit Week? <laughs> <laughs> And what are so some gonna... of the potential themes of school dances he could be organizing? Well, I think Hirschfelder is clearly going to put on a production of Pierre Gint for Spirit Week <laughs> because that <laughs> is going to yeah. encompass so much. Every <laughs> layer of the onion is ready to be peeled. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Oh my God, I love that. Incredible. What would you, if, if you could create like a, what would Hirschfelder's like theme for a school dance be? Oh no! Okay, uh, Kabuki. Yeah. Wait, give me a second. <laughs> so, devised. It's, oh, oh, it's no. definitely environmental devised. You can't touch each other, right? So, like, you can only move. It's Rasa boxes. There it is. Yeah. That's, what, that's what's happening. <laughs> Gorgeous. Oh my god! I it's love like a viewpoint that. dance. Yeah. Use the architecture. Use the architecture. <laughs> Would there be music? No, it's all in your head. You have to imagine the music flowing through. Oh my God, Uh, we should be able to hear it just from how you're moving. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gorgeous. Yes, Lauren. I love that. Um, I love that. Because we have a similar question. What does the syllabi look like for the other teachers at the school? We've already know that Augie's is let Gigi teach. Yeah. And Lilith has none. Um, yes. So our last hope appears to be Conrad and Rudyard for mm. any type of syllabi. Oh no! Um, so I know we don't have Sam here, <laughs> but Daniel, speaking on behalf of Conrad and Rudyard, what do you think Conyard. would be on their syllabus? And or uh, it's apparently Griffswallop is the name that. Oh, that's so upon. much better. Oh, okay. wow. That's. So it's much better. it's fantastic and it makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. people I love have also it. decided that uh, Augie and Conrad are groggy, so Yay. that's fine. It's disgusting and I hate it. I don't like the name. Um, great. So syllabus and/or required reading. Uh, no. There's definitely, I think, two syllabi, <laughs> two syllabuses, two mm-hmm. sil- two syllabi. There's mm-hmm. Rudyard's yes. and there's Conrad's, mm-hmm. and I believe Rudyard. Uh, switches all of Conrad's syllabus. So I feel Conrad hands out the syllabus and is very excited about it. But then when he's talking about it, all the students are very confused. <laughs> Rudyard butts in with what it is. Conrad's thinking, this is some sort of joke. I'm not getting this. So Conrad is just nodding and going, this is exactly what I said it was going to be. <laughs> so he's getting gaslit oh by Rudyard at this point. Yeah. Yes. Lovingly. Do you, think, do you think he would teach... In his English class, the screenplay for The Glorious and Mournful Sort. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah, required viewing. I absolutely viewing. think that Rudyard has um, his novel on there. Has the and how to, how to win friends. Mm-hmm. And people. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> truly, truly psycho. I, I think that, and I don't know if we'll use this, so I'm just going to say it. I think that Rudyard probably assigns Wizard of Versailles and then realizes halfway through teaching it that the only reason it was popular is because it has copious amounts of sex scenes. Awesome. And so yes. it becomes deeply uncomfortable in that class. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I love that. And Kanye. Kanye? Kanye. Conrad. Oh no, another never... name? God damn it. Yeah, that's right. Conrad never reads it. So when it's Conrad's turn to teach the Wizard of Versailles, it's just complete made up. No. 
no. Wow. That's and so then the students happen. get get that gaslighting where they're like, what is he talking about? Did I read this? Yes, you did. You did read it. <laughs> and then Amazing. in the last day of class, you realize it wasn't English. It was Gaslighting 101. Yeah. <laughs> and they learned so much, actually. <laughs> so many important life skills. But since we're already talking about Con- Conrad... Um, someone asked, can we hear all of, can you list all of Conrad's names altogether, both real and assumed? Oh yeah. We got, uh, Grizabella, uh, Bustopher Jones, uh, Rum Tum Tugger. We did not ask you to name cats characters. Uh, no, these are not cats characters. These are all what Conrad, uh, refers to. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, although like T.S. Eliot's book of poetry would have been out at this point. True. So there's a very good, I feel like Conrad's the one person that read that and just went, this is genius. This is brilliant. Yeah, because Conrad's like, oh, it's so short. I love it. Oh, 100%. That's how I felt when I found out it was a book of poems. Uh, let's see, a Conrad. That's a good staple. Conrad Webley uh, Griffson, the one we started with. My favorite one is Conrad Woodrow Wilson, Wilson Griffson. <laughs> yep. That one's always stuck with me. That's a good one. Uh, I always uh, uh, Vanilla Bean uh, is another one uh, with his Nescafe instant coffee, mm-hmm. his favorite flavor of coffee. So they just started oh, that's calling a him that. Spokesman name, love yeah. it. Vanilla yeah, um, mm-hmm. we have uh, WW. Uh, that's the Woodrow Wilson uh, mm-hmm. Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Uh, not incorporated. Oh, okay. What's it? They're just nope. scrunched together. No, no, nope. yes, keep and. going, keep going. Yes, and <laughs> no <laughs> one's done. Uh, we have, I think, Griffy. We haven't heard Griffy. Mm-hmm. Um, the Griffstein. We obviously mm-hmm. know that mm-hmm. one. Uh, Conrad Webley. Oh, did you say Webley? We did. They call him Webster uh, <laughs> because he was always carrying around the dictionary no. when he was walking around. Yeah, no. uh, he also was a big fan of Spider-Man because he was always slinking some webs, <laughs> no. and so they called him Web Boy. Is that what they're calling it back then? Can I, yeah. invented yet. can I ask, Not like, what yet. Phoebe's or Rudyard's, like, pet name for you is? Oh, that's good. Uh, I called Phoebe oh, sure. my little, <laughs> my little B-girl. B-girl? P-girl. Uh, oh, Phoebe. that's better? That makes P-girl. sense. P-girl. <laughs> so much better. So much that worse. lands, yeah. yeah. P-skin, P-girl. <laughs> oh, that's so wow. good. I didn't okay. even think about it. I mean, I did think about that. That's obviously that's why obviously I said why it. That's obviously why you did it, yeah. Called her my little BB. That's another oh, good God. one. <laughs> BB. Yes, that's what it was. Oh, my no. BB. BB, my oh, BB. Oh, no. BB, my BB. BB, my BB. I love that. Oh, uh, my God. love. Uh, speaking uh, of Phoebe, um, a friend of the show, Lena, uh, just wrote in to ask, when will Phoebe come back? Because she's convinced that Phoebe's alive. That's the other uh, conspiracy theory that we have going out there. Okay, Rama. Phoebe is alive in all of our hearts, all right? <laughs> a fight between Sam and himself? Yes, yeah, absolutely, yes. That's why people are, people are rooting for it, because they just want Sam to have to fight himself for Conrad. Yeah, I would love yep. this. You know what, we got... We still got some checkers on the board. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, we're still waiting uh, on the body swap episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. we already know what your question to the what do you want to happen next is for Tina. She's like, I want to swap some bodies. Body I'm not shy swap. about it. This is no, my... No. And I want to play Roger. In general. Yeah. Yes. Yes. More um, of that. Next question. How many siblings are in the Zimmer family? Could we see any more in the Hunter. future? Hunter. Cunther, which is a sister. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I will say that this uh, this question, uh, not to tip our hands too much, I guess would be answered by how many seasons is the Vanishy Act going to go yeah, for? Yeah, I would say at least three. There's at least yeah. three siblings. There's out at there. least three siblings that we know of. There is at least one more out there. You can be assured of that. But you know, much there. like a big inspiration for the show, <laughs> Dominic Toretto. There may be a point in time where we don't realize that there is a brother until that brother just mm. happens to show up. Bob. Yeah, oh, Bob Bob Zimmer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the one with the most personality. Yeah, Gunther, <laughs> Hunter, and Bob. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I love this question. Could the characters travel back in time and mess up something in the timeline? Like accidentally kill a historically important figure or something similar, creating an alternate timeline? And if so, to which timeline would they return if they travel into the future? Conrad would start a cult accidentally yeah. by going back in time. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but yeah, not so know he's starting a I think, cult. I think this question is a roundabout way of saying, could these characters cause the apocalypse? Oh, yeah. absolutely. And the Conrad, answer is 100%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I would give away Pompeii, if that makes <laughs> sense. Like, I would be walking around and be like, see, these people have no idea they're about to die. This is how I want to live. And they'd be like, what? And then get out of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. And that. that would cause yeah. a Tina, whole, what were you going to Yeah, no, I think Lilith would do it, but I think she would know. Like, she would have thought through all of the chain reactions yeah. that she was like she would mm. know what she was changing or have an idea whether that happens or not um mm. she would do it on purpose yeah. for sure i feel like it would be like like lilith is stuck in traffic one day and it'd be like oh my god this is so annoying and then knows exactly like i have to go back 200 years to kill this one random samaritan to then get back to my timeline and oops there's no traffic like yeah. and it would we'd never really find out why that happened yeah. but you would know the exact oh yeah calculus mm-hmm. you would need to do to kill the right person. I think Hirschfelder would go back and forth to become the greatest showman in the world. Oh my God. Clearly. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. To get the appreciation that he wants. Uh, The validation that's deserved. Yeah. 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 I think he deserves, he deserves a day out. Do you think Hirschfelder would vibe with PT Barnum? You think he'd like be really all up on the greatest showman? Mm -hmm. Or do you think he'd be like, screw this circuses are dumb. Mm -hmm. I think he might be fascinated by a circus and say, okay, Let's uh let's let's pump up the volume here, people. Let's uh, have some more fun. <laughs> he would, yeah, he would absolutely get the elephants and the monkeys to realize like you're not getting what you should be getting with these guys. <laughs> he would create a union. Clearly, circuses will be union. union. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the union lions are not able to mingle with the non-union lions, but we do need a certain percentage of both in order to make this circus run efficiently. Great. Uh, great. Um, oh my goodness, where to go next? I. I think I want to ask, let's see. How far into the production of the series did you decide Griff Swallop, that's the name, uh, (laughs) would be a thing? What prompted that decision and how did it affect their character arcs afterward? Uh, We had quite a few people ask this question, whether or not it was planned from the beginning, what inspired it, and also saying that they love them. Um, We had that from (laughs) at Rooney Tunes and Milo. Thank you. Do you want to talk about this? Sure. Yeah. This was, uh, like we said, this was one of the first things that kind of came about. We, we, we just kind of really loved the chemistry that Daniel and Sam had in their scenes together in the first season. Mm-hmm. And it very much started off as the joke of just kind of like, oh man, these two guys hate each other so much. We just got to wait for them to fall in love. 
And then we just kept bringing it up as a joke. And then we just kept realizing, well, what if it wasn't a joke and we actually took this seriously? What would it take for these two Mm -hmm. to get to that point with each other? And again, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the beginning of season two. It, It really did kind of start a lot here of just like, how can we take some kind of like, you know, on paper, I guess, what could be construed as uh fantastical or joking concepts and kind of try and ground them into a realism that like makes it earned. Mm -hmm. Like it's funny that these two start off as such, you know, big enemies and then they, you know, fall in love, but it was, we took the writing of it very seriously. We really wanted them to, to, we, we didn't want, we were like, if we're going to do this, it can't be a joke. Yeah. Cause we just, we don't want, we've seen that happen too many times, but we have, we respect these characters too much. Mm-hmm. to to make them I which I, I can't believe we're saying that about Conrad but like we respect <laughs> them too much to have to have you know the one big thing that he's been you know pining for this whole time which is just to have fucking someone uh you know we we got to take our characters wants and needs and objectives mm-hmm. seriously otherwise the show felt thin and mm-hmm. we didn't it, we knew if we wanted to create a more sustainable ship to be able to sail into more than one season that we needed to, mm-hmm. uh, we needed to double down and ground a lot more of those impulses. Yeah. I mean, to answer the, like when it became kind of a thing, I think it was, it was very early on because like that was part of the reason we had Sam play Phoebe. Cause I think yep. it was something that we had talked about as an idea because you know, who doesn't love enemies to lovers? The um, writing was on the wall, folks. Um, Go back and listen to season one, episode three. <laughs> it was there. And um, they had some really fun interactions. And I really loved kind of the, the, the advert, like the fact that I love a one-sided adversarial relationship where one of them just doesn't even recognize that the other person exists. I think that's incredibly funny. And then I think Ian brought up just kind of like as a joke of just like, man, it'd be really funny if they just fell in love. And I remember having the moment of like, but what if they fucking did, Ian? <laughs> like yeah. genuinely, Ian, what if they fucking did? Um, and it wasn't something that we had room for in the first season. Um, but then once we decided the second season was happening, that Rudyard was going to be um, a main character in the second season and that it was going to be at Christmas. And that also we wanted to to ground it in a kind of like starting satirical and then becoming the genuine version of the thing we are satirizing. Um, it felt like that we absolutely created the room for a love story to happen and to happen in an organic way and to happen with the specific journeys of Rudyard learning to care about other people and Conrad learning to move on and to become better and to want to stay somewhere and be an authentic version of himself. That's kind of something we also talked about is like once the doors open of him accepting that he's Jewish and that he's been kind of pushing that down that like he's able to be a more authentic version of himself and to get the thing that he's been wanting, which is, which is love and, and which is genuine love of the person that he actually is. Um, and not this, this fake version of himself that he continues to be in with a million different aliases. Um, yeah. And so the characters feel like they were very, on very similar trajectories and could help each other in that. Because I also think like it's not something where you earn love by becoming better, but sometimes being in love can inspire you to be better. Um, yeah. And that that can be a part of growth. It's not something you're rewarded with at the end of your journey, but that in an ideal world, it inspires you to become the best version of yourself. Yeah. They both have to rise to an occasion to earn each other. And I think that they do. I think that that also extends to all of the other characters' arcs yeah. as well. We wanted to make sure that like, if on paper this sounds like a joke, we're like, great. But now the trick for us is how do we try and ground it and create the overall arc so that like, they still get to that place, but it feels 
reasonable. Like, how do we get uh, a character that's like a Jew in disguise at a Nazi school to the point where he says, no, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to fix it. And by the end, it's like, yeah, he becomes the principal of that school. That's the trajectory. But he's, you know, he's open and he's himself and he can say his na- his real name in the hallways. And, you know, so and the same thing with Lilith or is like her objective has been fulfilled, as we were saying. How do we circle back on this so that she chooses other people over herself when she's been living specifically only for herself for the entire season leading up to this mm-hmm. um, and and with Augie, obviously. Uh, but, but yeah, so the, all of that was very much like, that was the stuff that really got us jazzed about doing a second season. Yeah. Um, what kind of social media accounts would the characters run if they lived in the modern day on what platforms and how famous do you think they would be? Uh, this is actually, I've thought about this cause it was a <laughs> spinoff idea I had for Conrad, oh my God, a YouTube channel called the art of the grift <laughs> where he teaches you how to con people. <laughs> Huge subscriber base. Love that. Hirschfelder, would you let him teach yeah. that? <laughs> would you let I him mean, teach that in the school? Sadly, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> It'd be a cool <laughs> extracurricular. Yeah. Whatever oh, Connie yeah. wants. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Augie would have a TikTok, Sarah? Mm, no. I think Augie <laughs> would be a big Reddit boy. And I also oh, no. think... Oh, no. Big Reddit yeah. boy. And I also think he might have an Instagram, but there's like zero pictures of him. It's just mm. like... Or like mm. half an ear. Or, you know, it's like yeah. a lot of sad boy mm-hmm. posts. Just a lot of sad boy yeah. stuff, mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that Augie could potentially have a Twitter that's so self-involved people oh. think it's satire and it becomes a hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Lilith. I do not think Lilith would be on social media <laughs> as herself, but I do think she would maybe secretly indulge as someone yes. else. Like maybe Rhett would have oh, like yes. some, you know, she would have a social like maybe a Finsta for Rhett or something. <laughs> I said Finsta like I know what that means because I'm pretending to be a young You're person. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think she Lilith von Hitzler would not be on social media, but one of her many alter egos would, so she could stay mm-hmm. plugged in. But wouldn't she wouldn't want anyone to know that she cared what was going on. I could see Lilith in the comments, like having two or three accounts and starting like fights yeah. in the comments <laughs> just to see uh-huh. who jumps into the comments and like creating social experiments to figure out yes. like how the world would react to certain things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I also think that Conrad creates a MySpace page for Rudyard and says, this is the newest thing. You're going to love it. People are going to love He's this. like 10 years behind. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. He just posts thirst traps on Instagram. Okay, That's Rudyard's yeah, no, whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rudyard would be insta-famous for just being high. Oh, yeah, that is the sure. obvious answer here is that Rudyard 100% has an Instagram and all of and the then, captions are horrible. Yeah. But he looks yeah. so hot. He has a million followers. Yeah. And then an OnlyFans for, you know, people that are into yeah. the one eye thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he would have an OnlyFans. Absolutely. I think that would solve, uh, like, if this was in the modern day, I think that would have solved a lot of his problems in the first season. Because that my guy just has too many jobs. He was too stressed. Yeah. I think, yeah. like, cosplaying as a sexy True. pirate. And I think he would crush. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
his yeah. photo his yeah. photo grid on Instagram is just a it makes up a giant picture of his bare chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like tiny, carefully curated his grid. Tiny yeah. I feel like he's got a lot of like shampoo endorsements. Like his hair is mm. probably great. Mm. Yeah. Oh, he's a huge influencer. Oh, he uh, yeah for sure. Uh, Lauren, should we shall we start wrapping up? Yeah, I want to get to some of these uh, these questions at the end because we are uh, a few people have to leave. They have hard outs because they have lives. Um, <laughs> but I think I want to ask um, before we get into these specific questions uh, whether or not there is a season three. We don't we don't know yet. Um, this question is implying we know. Um, what <laughs> do you think that you would like to see your character do? In that third Ooh. season, where where do you think the next steps of your character's journey are? Whether you know or not, whether Ian and I have told you or not. I want switch bodies with Rudyard T. Body swap body swap episode, a la Scooby Doo. I just want it so much because <laughs> she wants to have a British accent so bad. I do, I do. I think I, I think I want, I think I want Lilith to fall in love with Augie. But he's not trying to make that happen. Whoa! Oh, which oh, is wow. just the more disturbing for her. Hmm. Yes, hmm. absolutely. Hmm. And it also gives it gives us what our ultimate goal. Yeah, is, Yeah, you can't just say that just kiss. because you kiss. two want to kiss. kiss and say that it's for the show. Listen, the next play we're doing together on stage, we get to kiss. And we're not spoiler. Alert. It's not really a spoiler. <laughs> And we are Nazis. People only hire us to play Nazis who flirt. <laughs> It's not so, gonna happen. That's the one thing that I will always. They're letting us fly. It's never gonna happen on this show. Oh, I'm sorry, God my I dad, who it. wants it to happen, never gonna kiss. That is the solemn oath. <laughs> you and me, Mr. Thompson. <laughs> it's never gonna happen. Damn it. Um, I definitely think Hirschfelder needs to see Times Square. Oh. In the ninth. And like. Can Hirschfelder be your rocket? <laughs> yes, I just I, I think I think Hirschfelder seeing New York at that period might blow his mind. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You I think he'd be a big wicked head? Oh, absolutely. He's seen it six times. He'll see the it stagecraft is impeccable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that clock of the time He's dragon. For Dr. Absolutely, Dillamond a couple times. Amazing. I think Conrad sets a parent trap between Augie and Rudyard so that they can get together and like get along. So they can finally get along with each other and so that he doesn't have to constantly field I hate this person from both of the people he loves. Great. And then Connie just, you know, takes Devorah out for walks and, you know, they become fast friends. Any hopes for the narrator? When she's not traveling with Lilith. In the box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Devor's not going to want to be do box duty. She's going to be like a teenage no. duck who doesn't want to, like, leave me alone. I want to hang out with my friends. Yeah, on her phone all the time. And you're like, get in the fucking box. Yeah, I'll say for Devora, I want Devora and Gigi to have, like, a boy and his dog day out. Yeah. Um, Really, really, really want that. What I think is really cool is that, like, we the show is so like elastic in the universe that we can explore so many different genres within it. Um, and we've already done so many. We've got to do a musical episode. We have someone asking if we are considering doing musical episodes in the future. No comment. But no comment. But yes. Can we white fang Devora? <laughs> I'm not. Do you want to get stuck out. in a time and place? <laughs> like you can. I can't say it's going to end well, but there are there are so many genres we've yet to be able to touch on that that I think we we've been really excited to talk about. Like how could that 
potentially be folded into this universe and with these characters and their next step of their journey. Um, because they, so we have many people asking, will there be a season three? And then Ian, are you okay with talking about this? 100%. Yeah, there's going to be a season three. Um, yep. It's not going to be as quick of a turnaround from season one to season two, but I'm looking at Ian right now on the Zoom call, and there's a wall of sticky notes right behind him that is the entire outline of season three. Um, so we we have it in our brains. We know what it's going to be. We told ourselves we wouldn't do a season three unless we had a justification for the journey of these characters, because we do feel like we left it in a pretty satisfying way. If people would like to step off and be done, they All right, taken Phoebe their first Waller steps, Bridge. and that's important. But then Ian and I kind of <laughs> I like wish. separately had ideas for these characters, came back together, talked about them, and we're like, fuck, those actually align pretty goddamn well. Yeah. And we proceeded to outline the whole thing. Um, yeah. So We're very excited for it. We're really um, excited. I think we, we talked to some of you about what your journeys will be in the next season. Um, we, we don't need to talk about it more. We know it's body swapping. We're not so. gonna, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We know all the bodies that are going to get So swapped. many body swaps. Tina all the accents Tina's going to get to do. Knocking on our window every night asking us when is the body swap happening. Kiss, 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 kiss. Um, so no comment on that front, but we we definitely are we're excited about exploring some new genres and potentially yeah. recording returning to some existing musical genres that we like horror for body swapping. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we don't. I'm so Sarah, I can always count on. <laughs> you. I got you, baby. <laughs> yeah. We don't necessarily have a, uh, obviously we don't have a release time for, we haven't even written these fucking scripts yet, but uh, we, uh, our, our tentative goal right now is that we have another project that we are currently in the, in the throes of finishing up uh, our big round of rewrites on. So we're going to be doing that one next. And then the plan is to do season three of the Vanishing Act after that. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, yeah, That's... I think there are, there's a question asking if there's anything that we can possibly tease for that. And I think the only thing that I, w- I would want to say is that there's a time jump in maybe more than one way. Yes. In, in, involved in that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I will say that like one of the big things that we had with season one was it was these characters just learning how to be fucking human beings. Uh, the second season was obviously this group of characters learning how to uh, care about each other. And so, you know, extrapolate on that. What what possibly could then happen after that? What could be the next lesson that these people would need to learn? Um, but yeah, so we've got... Yeah, we've got and a, we want to... There are some characters that have maybe not gotten to spend a ton of time together that we are interested in, like, fleshing out what that dynamic would be between the, those two human... Or three human beings. Um, and characters who have maybe not gotten to hang out as much for a bit that may be reunited. Most of these characters end up in a pretty happy place, but you know, like I always say, what's happiness? You know, it's only a, it's a tenuous thing. No, okay. It's not going to last right. forever. Okay. So, uh, okay. The vanishing act. I don't fucking know. This is uh, a. <laughs> oh wow. Uh, what even is process? You know, well, let's talk about it. Um, oh, all right. I know some of y'all have to leave right now, so if you need to duck out, duck, duck out, duck, duck, duck out, duck out. There we go. Why don't we just call it, we'll, we'll call it here. We'll be back with another season. You all know that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to, can I, can we do one more question? No. No. I'm wrapping up. I'm yeah, sorry. go for it. Yeah, this is a uh, question for everyone. Um, if, if you were aware of the listener reactions, um, how did you feel about them? And as storytellers of all kinds, what are you the most proud of, of both seasons? Oh. I feel like that'd be a good question to go out on. That's a question from Arthur. Thanks, Art. Yeah. Baltimore, Baltimore go. 
Uh, yeah, when it comes to listener feedback, I was told that the theme song slaps a thousand asses. <laughs> yeah. And there is no higher honor. Yeah, um, it's so good. So truly, I, I've, I've had. I mean, this whole thing has been great. I really have been so like separated from everybody else who's who's worked on this in a lot of different ways. And so every time a new episode comes out, I listen like it's new, and I have this great experience of like getting to know these characters. And I just, I'm so proud of the work that we've done and the quality of the work that we've done. And it's surprising and it's funny and it's really challenging me musically. And I've just like, I'm so glad to be a part of this and that everybody has been. Uh, uh, you know, so cool with having me on and stuff. So it's been great. Yeah. We're happy to have you. Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else feel pride? Immense pride? <laughs> joy? It was, Talk to people? Yeah, it was yes. Uh, I've heard. <coughs> no, oh, no, no, you go. No, no, you go fine. first. No, no, no. No, no, no please, please. You have a heart out. Go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I you have a heart award. out. <laughs> Um, you want an award. That means nothing. No, the art, the art, the Tumblr art means so much more to me than that award does. I have to admit that. Oh my god. Uh, the Tumblr art. Oh my god. Um, but I, a big part. Of, it was exciting to um, that. Like no, <laughs> maybe one comment had a question about why is it a femme voice uh, voicing a mask character, but everyone else just kind of rolled with it, and that was really exciting. And then there's been like a lot of really delightful headcanon around that. But not in a but in a way that like expands me playing Augie, not in a way that explains it away or diminishes it. And so that was um, that was really exciting that I got to just like play this character, and everyone was like, "Yeah, no, that's who that character mm-hmm. is." Um, yeah, and yeah, so that was that was really exciting. And and the Tumblr art, also the Tumblr art. Yeah. Oh, we have we've had some just like oh, yeah. amazing art. Like thank you to everyone who's engaged with this and written like. Like, it has made amazing art and created amazing, hilarious memes and, like, theories and, like, fanfic, which is just, like, it's really cool that, that like, we never imagined that people would, would not only listen to this, but, like, let it live beyond the, the time that they spend listening to it. Um, it's, it's something that I feel, like, incredibly privileged to be a part of something like this, that, that where people want to live in this world longer. And they're asking if there's more of it. It's, it's really incredible. Daniel, yeah. I know you had an answer too, so feel free to go ahead. Sarah cut you off, uh, and then you seated it, and then now your brain's. She did, and then I listened, and I was just like, "Yes, yes." What was <laughs> I gonna say? So uh, if anybody else has uh, anything, now's the time. Jesus, speak now or forever hold your peace, uh, and the fandom knows that you hate them. The Tumblr art is so great. There's Spotify yes, playlist there's a Spotify for us, playlist. and. What? You know, I just mm-hmm. I just think it's just, uh, you know, we created this in a vacuum, right, oh kind of God. a deal. And especially with podcasts, we don't really get any feedback. And just any feedback I've ever seen, it just warms my heart. And I'm just glad that this story is reaching people and you all are touched yeah. by it in whatever way. Some touching is good. <laughs> some touching is bad. But being touched by a story... Yeah, it's way. really interesting no. that we're all like we're all the- primarily <laughs> theater artists or like that's most of our background and so like that that feeling of community when you perform a show and you get to make pe- like feel people laughing or, or reacting um, is something that specifically when we were producing this we we didn't have from theater because there is has been no theater for a long time and so producing a medium like this where you can't tell if people are laughing or you can't tell if people are reacting. You can, it can be kind of scary sending something out there. And so 
when you see reactions of people who are, you know, gasping and laughing and sometimes like crying, I heard that Rudyard T. Codswell, it made people cry. And like, they were surprised by that. And I love that we could make people feel something. Mm. Um, and so it's really incredible to hear that you're not just making something out into a vacuum, that people are having an emotional experience that you, that you <laughs> spend so much time trying to craft for them. Um, and I'm, I was, I think Ian and I were both, I don't want to speak specifically for Ian, but I think we were both kind of nervous about the tonal shift that this season was taking from uh, what is satire and what is very dark and what is very silly to something that is also continually very silly but is more hopeful and more genuine and, and a little bit more emotionally real. We were wondering if people would follow us on that, and, and I'm really, really delighted that people seem to stick with us and still like us once we let people feel things that are real and that are good. Ian, do you have anything? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, ditto to everything you just said. I'm going to piggyback off of that. Um, there's <laughs> His favorite <laughs> phrase. Um, no, but I, I genuinely, I think that this, this show has, uh, for, for everything that I love about it, it's, it really has been like, it's a way of just getting to work with all of you, um, which, you know, I, love working i love getting to watch you work i love i've loved getting to watch you all act for years now uh i've loved getting to listen to the music baltimore that you've created over the years he's got incredible eps go check them out um but like so it's there there's just something about getting to work with all of your friends and getting to create something uh but specifically yeah i think there's something to to get on my little soapbox a little bit uh, not that there's like a lack of Jewish storytellers in the world, but there's been something really cool to get to feel like a show that for me feels like a very Jewish show in its mentality and in its, the way that its characters operate, uh, even the non-Jewish characters and to get to, you know, just give a nice fuck you to Nazis again has been really nice. Um, but yeah, there's there. It's always very uh, heartwarming to see like the kinds of people and the kinds of characters that I love and I relate to, as horrible as some of them may be on paper. Um, that other people also feel the same. That other people can connect to those characters too. It it's very much one of those moments of like, oh, art really is about bringing people together and and knowing that you're not alone and sometimes feeling as pissy as Augie is all the fucking time about things or having uh, as many ambitions, but being frustrated by the limits of your own capacity as an individual, like Lilith is, or, you know, stumbling over your words the way that Conrad is, or <laughs> be, or, or knowing that like, you need to kind of make some incremental change from within the way that Hirschfelder does. Like there is like a lot of these characters that has come from like a very genuine place for me uh, and it's nice to know that other people are, are connecting to that as well. And, you know, and being as unbelievably hot as Rudyard, you know, as well, that's another one. So it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Open, I would but, say uh, being, learning to be vulnerable and <laughs> open to love as Rudyard. That was your plot line yeah. for him. Mine was just that he was <laughs> staying hot. Yeah. <laughs> if this was up to hot. Ian, Rudyard would have remained the villain of the show. I will say too, it's just hearing you say that just reminded me of how heartening it's been too, to like experience how many people are willing to go with these people on their journeys because I feel like, I mean, I don't know about y'all's experience on the internet, but it feels very much like you say the right thing all the time, or you don't, you're good, or you suck. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, like, seeing how many people are willing to, like, go along with these characters who definitely suck a whole mm-hmm. bunch. 
and like are willing to be on the journey as they kind of learn and and experience and grow into somewhat decent people is it's just heartening to remember that that's a thing that people are capable of and willing to do yeah i love that all right well that feels like a pretty good closing point to me uh ladies and gentlemen and folks across the internet any and everyone who's listening thank you so much for going with us on this journey these have been two uh incredibly fun and challenging and amazing seasons content capital c content for you uh but i don't know thank you all for listening it really does mean the world and thank you so much for sharing your comments thank you for sharing your artwork the incredible tumblr artwork that's already been said all yeah. four of you uh actors on this uh q a have had artwork done about them keep it coming it's so it truly, awesome it makes my like month i, I immediately so send it to the group cool. text and we all just scream yeah. Um, because we never, ever thought, th- we never dreamed that we would get that sort of engagement. And it's it's really I, incredible. I stuff. cried when I saw it the yeah. first time. It's I, like, it's really amazing. Oh, yeah. Like, it's really cool. And so, like, the engagement is fantastic. If you have any questions for yeah. us, uh, you know, hit us up on social media. At yeah, we have, we, we, our ask box on Tumblr is always open yeah. for, for you to ask your questions. Um, if the, if- Infinite thank you. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Uh, but yeah yeah that's all i got until we're until we're with you all for another one thank you all so very much lauren whatever you want to say i just want to say thank you just like truly thank you i um this has been like the the, truly one of the greatest things i've ever gotten to be a part of especially and specifically with with this team of artists that i just i i'm so glad we got the team that we always dreamed of on this one yeah i really just like this this was the dream to get to spend the last two years uh, working on this with these people. Um, and I'm all so glad that other choices. people, yeah, truly. And all characters that we wrote for you. So, yeah. and, and like to get the music that we did, like, and every time that we asked you to do something ambitious, you said, yes, you said, yes. And, and you were game and excited at every step of the way, which is all you can ask for as a collaborator. Mm-hmm. It's been a dream beginning to end. Yes. Awesome. Well, that's all we got, folks. Thank you so much. Please remember, if you like the show, to share it with somebody else that you love. Leave us a review. Uh, if you care so much to to want to buy merch, Lauren has designed incredible merch. It's on our Tee Public store. Uh, we'll have the link to that in the show notes. You can also check it out uh, uh, if you want to drop us a donation. You can do that on our coffee account. Uh, and yeah, Vanishing Pod on all social media. Hit us up. Engage. We are more than happy to respond to anything. Uh, that we can. Thank you very much. Mazel tov. <laughs> Tadaraba. <Ta-da-ra-ba. laughs>